You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Well, hello, everybody. This is a special episode for me because I have my guest with me right at my dining room table. And so today I wanted to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Pilar Bewley from mainly Montessori. Pilar and I have known each other for, I want to say, at least 10 years because she was a student teacher in my classroom when I was working in a Montessori classroom at the training center, and it was a model classroom. So every year we would welcome two or three of the students that were training to be Montessori teachers. And Pilar came into my classroom. She was an avid, avid note taker, an avid observer. And at the end of the day would give me these you know, long kind of what she had observed of certain children. And it was just like, wow, you, you get this, you are really, you know, observing. And we would have these great conversations about what she had discovered that day. Well, of course, we became fast, great friends. And she has since, you know, gone off to be a Montessori teacher for three to six year olds. And then, went off and did an elementary training in Montessori, got married, had two children, and so on and so forth. And here we are. Uh, It's the evening here in San Diego, and we are sitting at my dining room table for her to share a little bit about her kind of journey as a parent and as a Montessori educator. So please welcome Pilar Beauty to The Art of Parenting. Thank you so much. It is such a joy to be here with you. And uh, we really have traveled a long road together. It it sure, when I was doing that intro, I was like, oh my gosh, we have gone through quite a bit. And it's it's been a beautiful journey, ups and downs and parenting and marriage and friendship and schooling and all of that. And it's just wonderful to be able to share all that with you. And to today, I really want us to kind of dive deeper into your journey, not only as a parent, but also as a Montessori educator. So I'm going to start with kind of my formal questions that I usually sure. ask my, my, my guests, and then we will just take it from there. Great. Okay. Great. So Pilar, how would you define the art of parenting? Well, for me, it it definitely is an art because it is all about creativity. It's about understanding who you're working with, um, who you're guiding, and, 
and following their lead. Um, so to me, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's creativity mm -hmm. in, in one word. Yes, it is creativity because we always have to come up with something <laughs> like it's going to work with one child, but not with the but other one. The it's, other. Exactly. And, and, you know, and I know it's very cliche, but the moment you figure it out, they go and they change. Um, and so then you have to get creative again. And, and the reality is, you know, you, you're working with the child that came to you, not the child that you wish you had um, or the, you know, or the model child that everybody told you about when you were trained to be a Montessori teacher. <laughs> um, and, and so it takes, I think, a lot of humility uh, to accept that they are in charge and that you are just a facilitator in their life. Mm. Um, and so, you know, really being able to take a step back and, um, and be there as a, as a support as opposed to being the creator of their lives. Beautiful. Beautifully yeah. said. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And so just before we get a little too involved in our conversation, because mm -hmm. I know we will, <laughs> we, we, will we will go, go off, <laughs> we'll go off on tangents. I just want you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe uh, how you came to do the work that you are now doing with parents and children. Yeah, well, um, you know, I go way back with Montessori. I was a Montessori child, um, but I really came back to Montessori when I was 30 years old, um, and uh, which was when I decided to leave my career in hospitality and become a teacher. Um, I didn't even really know why I was becoming a teacher. I um, knew that I wasn't happy with my uh, career and I was meditating on that fact and a voice came to me and said, you need to work with children. Um, and I did know a little bit about Montessori. And so that's where I started. And it turned out that the training center was across the street from where my husband lived. And well, he was my boyfriend at that time, but, um, and that's how my journey started in, in Montessori. And, and it's been a 12 year journey of, first working with three to six year olds and then realizing that um, I really enjoyed working with the older children. Uh, and so going back and learning more about that age range, the six to 12 year olds, mm -hmm. um, working in classrooms for several years, but then really um, acknowledging, like I said earlier, that the best place for my children was uh, being educated at home. So I had to leave my career behind and follow their path. Um, and it led me into homeschooling, which I wasn't very excited about at first. And now I realize it's really the best thing that could have happened to, to our family. Um, and that is now leading me to work with parents who aren't as familiar with Montessori or who want Montessori for their children, but can't afford a Montessori school. And so it's opening up a whole new world of, um, of families and of, of, of ways of a 
applying Montessori mm-hmm. in, in life. So you you have mentioned Montessori quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I'm just I'm being the the ears of my listeners, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some are going, what is she talking about? What is Montessori? Mm-hmm. So maybe in a just you know in in a small bite, what what is Montessori? Like explaining it, and then and then we can talk more about that whole homeschooling aspect of it. Sure, sure. Well, Montessori means different things to different people, Yeah. Um, which is what makes it so interesting, but also so complicated to explain. So what does it um, mean to you? To me, it, to me, it means helping the child find the gifts that they were, um, that they were given open the, the, the presence that, that they received at birth, you know, help them find their, their talents, their interests, their curiosities. Um, and, you know, very specifically focusing on the Montessori materials that are the most well-known part of Montessori. To me, those materials help the children understand the world they're living in. Um, and so that's a big part of what Montessori is to me, is helping them make sense of the world around them mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. through those all those beautiful materials. Right, um, right. And just, uh, you know, also, I just want to add that Montessori, I think, is mostly known as a preschool mm-hmm, education, mm-hmm. but it is for me. Uh, you know, my my version is that it's really an education that really starts at birth or even conception, because I do a lot of work with parents and helping them understand, you know, the, their child before they get here and how to set up the home and everything. And it does go through adolescence. So it mm-hmm. goes through, you know, all of high school. Um, so coming back to you and your, you know, your story of mm-hmm. Montessori and, you know, I've kind of followed along. So, so yes. I know, but here you are, you know, in a classroom, you're, you're working with children. Then I know you took a break to, to be trained to work with older children. Mm-hmm. And then now you find yourself working, like you said, your career, being an elementary teacher and you realize that your children need something else. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of discover that? What, what, what were the, those light bulb moments of going, okay, something needs to change here? Yeah, well, I think the, my son, who's now seven and a half, has always been my best teacher. He has, he has made me question everything that I've ever thought was true in this world. And he was the one who on the weekends um, would approach me and ask if we could do homeschooling weekends. So, and then I had the, I guess the good fortune and the challenge of being his teacher during the week in school. And so I was able to see how much more he was able to learn and how much more focused and engaged he was one-on-one during the weekend homeschooling sessions than he was when he was in the classroom. Um, He's, he's the type of child who uh, does not like to be told what to learn, when to learn it or how to learn it. Um, But when he finds what he's interested in or what he knows that 
he needs to do in order to get where he wants to go, he will just put his entire heart into it. Um, and yet the moment he gets a whiff of an adult driven agenda, he completely shuts down. Um, and so that, that's what was so beautiful about homeschooling weekends was that he, he was in charge. He was, he was in charge and I was facilitating. Um, and he was, he was asking for it, which is, which is beautiful. And it says a lot about you teaching because I don't know how many children would have their parent as their teacher during the week Mm. and then still ask for more on the weekend. So, (laughs) but the, you know, the, the school days were such a challenge. Mm. He, he's a night owl. I mean, absolutely confirmed night owl. And so he really struggled to get to school on time. Our mornings were miserable. I mean, in a word, just miserable. Um, and, and I think the, the elementary classroom was just too big and chaotic and, and the energy just didn't fulfill his needs. You know, he's the type of child who will just read for hours in a corner and he didn't like being interrupted by, you know, it's time for math, it's time for a lesson, it's time for recess. He just wanted to be left alone. Um, and he has changed so much since, I mean, maybe a week into our homeschooling journey, he was a different child already. Um, and my daughter, who was younger, she was uh, three and a half, um, was she did really well in a Montessori classroom in the sense that she was always busy. She was always working. Um, but socially I could see kind of what was coming down the pipe for her and it it didn't align with our values, um, as a family. Uh, and for her, it was harder to start to homeschool. She obviously being younger, she, um, had her routine. She, it, mm-hmm. it had been really hard to get her to the point where she had, you know, a sense of trusted that routine, trusted, that routine, yeah. trusted yeah. the adults in the classroom. And so shifting her away from that was a really big, um, change in her life, but now she's thriving doing really, really well. Um, and I'm able to give her the attention that, um, she wasn't being given in, in, in a larger classroom where there were so many, um, children that had so many challenges and needed so many attention that the children who are busy working are, are sometimes, you know, forgotten or fall between the cracks. Um, because of just the, the, right. the challenges that right. the teachers face right now. Well, they're very lucky to have you, oh, you. and be be their their advocate, and and also just you know you because I know that not everybody can do that or have the privilege to just say okay, I'm gonna mm-hmm. stop working Mm -hmm. and you know bringing in a second income and and be there with the children you know we all make there's pros and cons to that you you don't have to pay for the school anymore so you know you're saving money there and everything but um for me and and I'm going to be a little bit the devil's advocate but for Mm -hmm. me you know I had thought uh and so I have older children than you and everything but I remember you know thinking like oh maybe I should try to homeschooling but it was a nano fraction of a thought. Like I, I just thought like I could never do that, even though I was working in the classroom with other people's mm-hmm. children and everything. But to me, it's just, um, I guess that relationship of being the, the, the teacher, the guide, and also the parent, like how do you 
as a as a homeschooler, how do you kind of set those boundaries to me? That's that's just fascinating. Like how can we be all of those different relationships all in one? Well, the reality is I'm not. You're not. And it took me a long time to learn. Mm-hmm. It. it took me about six months to really figure this out. When when we first started homeschooling, I made the same mistake that pretty much every homeschooling parent makes, which is I tried to make school at home. Mm. We tried doing school at home and my children very quickly let me know that that was not how it was going to work. Um, But I did try. I set up all my materials and um, I started with, you know, we're having a lesson and, you know, let's sit and let's talk about the lesson. And and my children said, yeah, uh, no, we are uh, not interested in your lesson. Thank you very much. We are now free to explore what we want to learn about. Um, And so it was very humbling and very infuriating. And I had to relinquish a lot of control. Um, But I'm fortunate that I had my training. And so I knew that the answer to any challenge in the classroom or at home was observation. Um, And so I did what I'd been trained to do, which was I sat myself down with a notebook and I started just seeing what they were doing and trying to understand, is there learning going on? Because at the end of the day, that's, that's the goal, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Whether, whether they're using the Montessori material or they're, you know, using something else, if there's a, if there is a, uh, a curiosity, you know, if there's a question in their mind that they're trying to solve and, and they're, they're using their brain and they're, they're exploring and they're being creative and they're coming up with novel ways of asking and answering, then who am I to say that my way is better than their way? Right. And so that's when everything changed for me when I, when I realized I'm not their teacher. I'm not their guide in the classroom sense of being the guide and deciding who gets what lesson what day and at what time. Um, they are the guides and I am just the, right now I'm the keeper of the environment, very much the keeper of the environment. Um, and that means, you know, from deciding what goes on the shelves and and where, but also holding the boundaries of cleanliness and order. Um, because, you know, being at home, it's very different. There aren't 23 other classmates waiting for a material. Right. And so they're, those those are the the um, the responsibilities of a parent in you know trying to um, support an environment at home. Um, if I if I can just go sure. back to one thing that you said that I think is really important mm-hmm. when you said that you went back to your training of observation, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something you know that I like to talk with parents about is really this understanding of observing our children for for what they are and what they're doing mm-hmm. without judgment or mm-hmm. expectations mm-hmm. and everything. Would you mind like maybe sharing an example of something that that kind of gave you that that aha of oh I'm not their guide or, or an example of of what you what you discovered as you were observing whether it was your your eldest or your youngest. Because to me, that is just 
such an important aspect of, of whether you're homeschooling or not, like just a, taking the time to observe what our children are doing. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Um, I mean, I think one thing that stands out for me is for example, my daughter who is now four or in three months and so when I started homeschooling, I set up a whole shelf of little practical life activities. And for people who don't really know what that is, it's um, in a Montessori primary classroom for three to six-year-olds, you have a bunch of little trays and they're all color coded with, and each tray has all of the materials necessary for the child to do a particular activity. So be it, you know, cleaning up a spill or learning how to pour. And so there are about, you know, six different exercises for learning how to pour. Um, so I did what I could in my very small home and set up little trays with little practical life activities, which my daughter very politely humored me and used them once and then never touched them again. And, and I could not understand why, because, you know, every three and a half year old has this need to clean and pour and arrange flowers and do all the little activities that they do in the classroom. And so when I started observing her, it dawned on me that she didn't need all of these little trays because practical life in the home just means living in the home. And I already had the home set up in the sense that I had, you know, the plates on the lowest shelf and the cups where she could reach it and the water where she could pour it. And she sets the table by herself and she buys flowers every weekend with my husband and she cooks with me and she does everything. She feeds the dog, she waters the plants, she harvests the tomatoes. And none of that is prepared in the sense of having a little tray in a little yes. shelf. It's just part of her life. So who needs little trays when you're already living practical life? And so that is so perfect. Thank because, you. Yeah. No, that is just so perfect because <laughs> I actually had a conversation with a parent that called in today about she was concerned that her child was not touching the practical life mm -hmm. exercises. Mm -hmm. And to me, I said, well, you know, we observe to see if it's challenging and everything. But honestly, just involve her in what you're doing in the home because that's, you know, perfect time to connect as well mm -hmm. and all that. So, mm -hmm. so beautiful because yeah, it's yeah. true, you know, as a guide, we're, we're going to set up all the presentations yeah. we've been taught to do, mm -hmm. but you only have one child. Yes. So, exactly. <laughs> so they have the whole home. That's and, perfect. And, and the reason why classrooms had these practical life activities in the first place, you know, a hundred plus years ago when, when the Montessori method started was because children weren't trusted in the home to be able to do these activities. And so they weren't involved in the cooking, the cleaning, etc. Um, and so Dr. Montessori realized, well, they, they need a place to be able to do it. And this is how we're going to give them access to these activities. If your home's already set up, there's no need. Exactly. There really is no exactly. Need. Yes. Beautiful. So one thing also about homeschooling, you're, you're a trained Montessori guide, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so I can hear listeners saying, yeah, but that's, you know, it's easy for her to say sure. she, she has the training, all of this. So what do you say to parents who 
are interested in the Montessori method for their children, but don't have the training and are maybe thinking about homeschooling because, you know, the life has made it that they would rather do that. Or, or I have, you know, other friends. I mean, we have a common friend who's in the same situation as you are, and she's traveling a lot with her children and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But how do you, what would you say or your advice maybe to parents who are considering homeschooling or who are homeschooling mm-hmm. and who do want to integrate the Montessori method into the homeschooling, but are not trained. Sure. Um, I think that my first recommendation would be don't worry about the materials right now. I mean, and most people, if they're homeschooling, that means they probably have kindergartner and up. So let's assume that this is like a five, six year old at least. Um, so I would say don't freak out about the materials because you can go online and you will be bombarded with millions of websites that tell you to either make the materials, buy the materials, set up an entire room in your home for the materials. And that's not what it's about. So my recommendation would be educate yourself on, on the philosophy of Montessori, on the tenets of Montessori, on the, on how to see a child, um, how to find their potential, how to understand where they are in their development. Um, and so that there, there are also a lot of resources online and I'm sure that in the, in the show notes, we could put a few definitely resources. Definitely. I'm happy to, to share those. Um, and then I think a, a really important part is to start, start where the child is interested. So to me, I always remind myself, I'm following a child, I'm not following a curriculum. So you can buy all the albums and set up your homeschool, but if you don't understand who your child is and what is driving them, you're never going to be able to make that connection and, and, and help them you know, go in the direction that they want to go. Um, and so one thing that we've done that has been really magical, and this is not my idea, I, I found out about this um, from Julie Bogart, um, who's the, the creator of Brave Writer, um, uh, a lot of homeschoolers know, know who she is. Um, she talks about a, I don't remember what she calls it. We call it our, I wonder wall, but it's basically a little space on the wall, a bulletin board, whatever you have available where whenever a child has a question, you know, where do pencils come from or what was there before the big bang or why do dogs cry? And those are just three of about, you know, two dozen questions that we currently have up there. Um, whenever a child has a question, you just write it down. And you say, well, that is a really interesting question. Let's write it down. And so you write it down and it it starts forming your curriculum. That's it beautiful. Starts, yeah, it starts guiding your explorations. Um, and because everything is interconnected, you end up doing the math and the history and the science and the art and the, you know, all of the subjects that you know children quote unquote need to know um but you do it through their interests so um sounds so so much more engaging and so much more like 
you know, filling up their own curiosity. And it's it's freeing. Yes. Because you don't have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and think, okay, now I need to prepare, you know, four lessons and check off the common core standards for this and that and the other. You simply look at the wall and you say, hmm, I wonder, you know, which one of these we're going to go for today. And we have it right next to our dining room table. Um, And so it really inspires our conversations over dinner. And something to keep in mind is that, you know, we're very much what I call the Alexa generation, which is that we want to know the one right answer for everything. And so, you know, if a child asks, uh, let's Google it. Yeah, exactly. Let's Google it. Or, hey, Alexa, um, you know, where do, you know, where do pencils come from? Um, But that's not the point. Right. You know, it's not about raising children who know the right answer. It's about raising children who ask the hard questions and who aren't afraid to, um, you know, come up with different hypotheses and, and test them and argue their point and listen to other people's perspectives. And that's what these questions, that's the gift of, of these questions. Um, you know, and, and then if you do start becoming familiar with some of the Montessori materials, um, then those are kind of a, a support mechanism to, to kind of paint a picture that children can more easily understand. Um, but really, you know, talking to an expert, going to a library, going to a, a museum, taking a trip, whatever it is that, that will help your child understand right find um you know dig deeper into that question yeah um that's that's the spirit of it yeah and i remember you telling me like for the the elementary children how when they ask a question you always say hmm i don't know let's go find out out. you know because it's true as the adults we tend to if we know the answer we're gonna you know blurt it out Mm -hmm. but it's it's so much more engaging for them to figure it out and to go investigate and all of that. So that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've noticed now that I'm working with, with children who are not what you would call Montessori children, um, I do notice this rush to the one right answer. And, um, you know, I have a little science co-op that I run and there's always the, you know, was I right? Was that the right answer? And I was like, there, there is no right answer to what we're doing. You know, it's science. We're exploring, we're, you know, poking around and making mistakes. Um, But they just want to know the right answer and, and they get really flustered. And and do you think that that is just from our kind of our traditional education? It's our culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's our culture in in general. You know, everybody wants to be the the know-it-all and, Mm -hmm. and let's Google it, you know? Right, Right. And I mean, there's a place for that. You know, if, if you're looking for statistics, if you're looking for data, you're not going to make it up. But but if what you want is your child to ponder things and to be a deep thinker, then give them the space to, to do that. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So this has been wonderful. And I want to, to really prioritize what you have to share mm-hmm. about homeschooling. So mm-hmm. is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation? Um, just so we kind of wrap it up. I yes. don't want to, you know, I, I know our listeners are, are don't always have the time. So I sure. want, I want to be able to 
make sure that they get all the information on this episode. Yeah. So I think, I think a really big thing to remember, you know, when you look at a classroom, it's very segmented. It's a three hour work period in the morning and then you have your recess and you have two more hours of work in the afternoon. And, and there's a reason for that because, you know, when you have 30 children, you have to have a routine. Um, in homeschooling, at least in my experience, the whole day is, is an opportunity for learning. And because you're always seeing what your children are learning, you can connect it. And so don't fall into the trap as many Montessori homeschoolers do where you, you have a three hour work period in the morning and then the learning time is over. Um, you know, use your entire day and then don't get stressed out if, you know, if they only did 45 minutes of what you would consider learning in the morning, um, don't dismiss the rest of the day as a failure, um, but find opportunities to, to connect with them and, and to get them engaged. And then you'll start seeing your children's rhythms. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when, when this is kind of a, a personal question, but I would be afraid to fall into the trap of kind of, you know, other parents maybe, or even family members asking, you know, are they doing this? Are they Mm. doing that? Do they, you know, do they know how to add? Do they know how to multiply? So, you know, in kind of that traditional curriculum Mm -hmm. where they're, you know, they're being tested and all of this. So how do homeschooling families or, or the children fit into that? Like, how does that end up working do 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 like does I mean I, I'm clueless I'm sorry I'm, I'm mm-hmm, totally clueless mm-hmm. but like are there are there you know federal entities that that want to know what your children are learning or well, what, it, depends, what's... it depends on the state okay here in okay, the United States okay, it depends okay. on the state California okay. where we live is one of the um uh loosest okay um homeschooling states in 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 terms of uh following up on what children okay, are learning, okay. et cetera. But, but I mean, that is a very valid concern. You know, parents want to know, well, is my child keeping up with everybody else? Um, and I mean, one of, one of the things that I did as a teacher and now as a parent is just brush up on, you know, what is the common core? Uh, what is, what are the expectations yes, at certain ages? Exactly. Right, right. And then just kind of find ways of introducing that through real life experiences. So for example, with an allowance, you know, Mm -hmm. so if if you know every third grader needs to be multiplying, well, then let's figure out how many weeks, you know, if you get $5 a week, how many weeks do you need to save up for your Lego kit? And let's write it down (laughs) as a multiplication. And so your child is experiencing multiplication in um, real life, in real life, Mm -hmm. which then makes them much more willing to do, you know, to put in the work because they realize why they need to, to use it. Um, another fun thing to do is, for example, just w- one day for the entire day, their job is to write down every single time that they or anybody in the family uses math throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they will come up with a, a list of several dozen times throughout the day when, when people use math. Um and so then you can start using that as like, oh, so look at how many times we use math. Let's start exploring all of these different ways of using it because these are the tools that we use in our everyday life. And so children are much more likely to be willing to, to engage in that. You know, the same with reading. If you know your child should be reading at a 
third grade level, but they're not, then read to them at that level, listen to audiobooks at that level or above, you know, and, and be giving them opportunities to be exposed to that. Um, and also don't think here's, here's kind of a, a little homeschooling secret is that <laughs> don't think that children who go to school for seven hours are actually getting seven hours of instruction a day yeah. because when it comes down to it, and this has been, I mean, this is, you can find this information a lot of different places. It really is. They, an hour a day is really all that children get in a school of, you know, uh, focused, focused right. um, purposeful, um, academic, intellectual work um, between transitions and interruptions and assemblies, recesses, lunches, etc. Um you know, it's so true. And when you think crazy. of it that way, it's yeah. so true. It's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And and so if you can translate that into your home and find 10, 15 minutes here and there to, you know, practice the clock or you know, read some some puzzle words or some some uh, what do you call them sight words, um, you know, that that is the same volume of work that a child is doing at school. So it's not that hard to keep up with the Joneses, if you will. Right, um, right. Beautiful. Um, I do have just one more question. Sure. I'm sorry. I, and, and my listeners, you know, this is, I think this is an important one. Is what are the boundaries as parent and yes, the guide and everything? Because now you're with them 24 hour seven. Mm -hmm. And so how does that, because I talk a lot about self-care and mm -hmm. making sure that we set our own personal boundaries and all of that. So what, what maybe um, advice would you have, or, or maybe if you want to share, you know, personal things that you do to make sure that you're being taken care of? Mm -hmm. Well, the, I think the most important thing to consider is our perspective towards boundaries, because when we set boundaries, we're teaching our children how to set boundaries in their own lives. And so when you look at it that way, it's not a selfish choice. It's the selfless choice. It's, it's an educational choice. Um, and so, for example, for me, I have actually found it a lot easier to be with my children in a in, in a home that I've prepared for homeschooling than when I was with my children, I was working and we would have to stay home because somebody was sick or it was a holiday or something. Um, and so I don't feel as overwhelmed because they have a prepared environment. And a lot of times they're busy with their own things. So they're not on top of me, you know, I'm bored and, you know, play with me or, or do things like that. So I have found a lot more time for myself. Um, it, it is in, you know, kind of spurts. Um, and so I'm, trying to get used to that. Um, but I, I do model like, well, you know, right now it's, it's reading time, it's silent reading time. And so we're going to sit quietly. My four-year-old will listen to books on CDs. Um, my son goes off to his room to read and I'll be able to read for a good 20, 30 minutes. Um, so that's, so you're that's able to do kind of your work in parallel in of their parallel work. Yes. To theirs. Okay. Um, and I've also set boundaries with my husband um, where you know, I, he knows that I need time to, to recover. And so, um, I've made it very clear that, you know, Saturdays 
uh, for the most part, unless there's something special, but for the most part, those are my days. And, and I use those to, to recover and, and kind of uh, prepare for the coming week. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I've found that I have a lot more time to see my friends um, and a lot of my friends homeschool. And so we'll, you know, kill two birds with one stone. We'll have a play date and um, I'll be able to connect with, with my friend uh, while, while the kids are playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's also kind of very, uh, it fills my bucket, if you will. Wonderful. So there are, you have to get creative, but there are, right, there are right. ways. Well, yeah. just like we were saying at the beginning, right? To be creative. Yes, absolutely. The art of parenting. So Creativity, yes. <laughs> for ourselves, for our children, <laughs> for everything. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, um, we've had a great conversation. I love it. And uh, I think we'll have to do this again because there's plenty of topics that I know you and I want to share. We could go on forever. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, just so that our audience knows, our listeners knows how they can follow up with you and maybe, you know, read what you're reading, I mean, not what you're writing, because I know you have a blog Mm -hmm. and and so on. How can people stay in touch with you? Yeah, so I've had a blog for many years, and I've recently renamed it. So now you can, all my my old blog posts are still up, um, but you can find everything on mainlymontessori.com. Perfect. And Um, we'll have that in the show notes mm -hmm, as well. mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also have a Facebook page. And And I know you're preparing all sorts of good things to help uh, homeschooling parents. So that's wonderful. Yes. I'm very excited about all the, all the fun new projects for the homeschooling community. So you can find out more about it on my blog. Perfect. Well, thank you, Pilar, for taking the time to share your beautiful journey with us. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure and a privilege. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.